spokesperson for the ministry, and he's also still a law, uh, a lawyer and a, law, a partner in a law firm in Tel Aviv. Um, he's, his first publication, his first book was entitled Political Punch. It's about politics and society in Israel. His most recent publications is The Industry of Lies, and it's dealing with the, the state of Israel and issues of anti-Semitism. He's widely published. Uh, in Israel and around the world. I'm sure many of you have, have read his uh, translations, his articles here. And as I was saying at dinner, uh, Ben Droy Yamini is really, I think, a leader in dealing with issues of anti-Semitism, contemporary anti-Semitism, and the demonization of Israel. And I think, in a sense, he's really inspired and um, compelled uh, academics and politicians uh, from around the world to really look critically and issues of contemporary anti-Semitism and the hypocrisy in the war with radical Islam in terms of a social democratic agenda. So it's really an honor that you're here this evening. Thank you very much, Charles. Thank you for coming. Um, let me uh, begin. Uh, I'm a journalist. I'm not an academic. And there is a kind of, uh, uh, let's call it a joke about uh, journalists and professors. Journalists are the people who know less and less about more and more. And professors, they are the opposite. They know more and more about less and less. Uh, and when I began, when I began my journey into this kind of uh, uh, world of demonization, I was actually, and I still am, part of the peace camp in Israel. And I was activist, I'm much less activist now, but I feel that I belong to the peace camp. I'm in favor of concessions, I'm in favor of almost any peace plan which is raised by whoever. I do support it, and I publish out articles in favor of any peace plan. So why did I begin this kind of journey to the world of demonization, etc., etc.? It began with a very uh, a small experience. What I did is, I put two words years ago in Google. And the words were uh, Israel and genocide. To be more correct, I put also Palestinians. Which means how much is written about the genocide which is taking place against the Palestinians. We can try it now, maybe, I don't know if we have internet or not, but I tried it uh, again. The numbers are changing all the time, it depends even uh, from which computer, because it doesn't uh, always give the same result, but I can promise you one thing. The results of Israel is committing a genocide against the Palestinians, it's appearing much more times, many more times, comparing to the, for example, which I tried, Darfur and genocide. So I was wondering what is going on. Because in many conferences in favor of peace, that I participated, I found out many speakers talking about ethnic cleansing that Israel committed, about genocide that Israel is still committing. And, well, I'm a peace activist, but as much as I know, Israel is not committing any genocide. Yes, people are killed, unfortunately. And every human loss is a tragedy. But genocide. And then I began to check out what is going on. 
And I must tell you that I was kind of shocked from the results. I told you about journalists who uh, know uh, almost nothing about everything, so I decided to change a little the formula. Can I say it in English, the formula? And I decided that I'll go to details. Not to be a journalist, but to be a researcher. A researcher. I tried to begin this journey with checking the real facts on the ground. But first of all, I had to check what, what is said about Israel, what public figures are saying about Israel. And it is not enough. Well, if somebody is expressing his view, and uh, uh, it, must, it might be a, a very extreme view, it's not enough. What the polls public opinion, global public opinion polls about Israel, what they are saying about Israel. And then from that, the next stage is, what are the real facts on the ground? Because in the discourse about the Middle East, we, all, we are all familiar with many theories. Every day there is uh, something like three more books about the Middle East. I don't know who read it, but uh, something like uh, in average, uh, uh, and, and something like uh, a hundred uh, uh, articles, half of them academic articles about the Middle East. So many theories. But what about the facts? The basic facts about the conflict. So we will begin. With this presentation, uh, wait, wait. Don't worry, I'm not going to follow to follow word by word what is written on uh, the presentation. Anyway, here is, for example, somebody very known, uh, Jose Saramago. Uh, Nobel Prize winning uh, writer, and he, he said something like, what is happening in Palestine is a crime which we can put on the same plan as what happened at Auschwitz. He's not alone. Uh, the Norwegian uh, uh, writer, uh, Justin Gardner, uh, to some of you may be known, is known as uh, uh, the author of Sophie's World, he wrote, we call, I mean, I read this book with a lot of pleasure. It was quite disappointing to find out what he thinks about me. We call child murderers child murderers. We do not recognize the state of Israel, the right of Israel to exist. A, a, a cabinet uh, member, a minister from uh, uh, the party of Tony uh, uh, Blair. She said, the oppression of the Palestinian people is the major cause, major cause, of bitter division and violence in the world. She also blamed uh, uh, Israel in the global warming, but okay, let's leave it. I mean, we cannot go to all the details. We don't have the time. Really? No, no, she did it. Now, maybe uh, this one is known to you because it was here in the United States. Arun Gandhi, the grandson of uh, uh, Mahatma Gandhi, he said, and uh, listen carefully, read carefully, we have created a culture of violence. Israel and the Jews are the biggest players. And that culture of violence is eventually going to destroy humanity, no less than that, to destroy humanity. I didn't know the time like that, but... And here is the image. From one uh, uh, side you see the very famous uh, uh, Holocaust picture of a boy raising his hands, and from the other side, uh, the Aldora Esther picture. And here again, how Israel is depicted. Now, it's not only 
you know, expressions that we can take from uh, uh, one person to another person and say, well, it's a minority of lunatics that they uh, uh, coming out with this kind of expression to uh, get a lot of attention. No, no, no. It's much worse. In Germany, for example, in uh, uh, 2004, half of the German think that Israel is behaving like the Nazis. Nazis. And 68% believe that Israel is waging a war of extermination against the Palestinian people. The same is in a global poll. Majority of people believe that Israel has the most negative influence in the world. We are both than Iran, we are worse than North Korea. And what can I tell you as an Israeli? I am offended by that. And you know what? I'm not only offended, I am afraid from that kind of image. It changed a little uh, in a poll that took place uh, a year later when Israel took the third place, but it was before the Gaza war, so I can imagine uh, that after the Gaza war, it became, we, we have again the third place. Now, from here we are coming, this is the image of Israel, which is expressed as uh, uh, we see, not only in, in what uh, uh, public figures are saying, uh, not only with so many books and so many uh, 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 publications, it's expressed also in the public opinion about Israel. Now, let's go to the uh, main part of what I want uh, uh, to show you. And the main part is what are the real facts on the ground. Concerning the contribution, if I can call it, uh, if I can call it so, the contribution of Israel to the violence in the world. Is it really uh, the menace to the world? Is really Israel is committing so many uh, 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 killings in the area? Let's see. Because I found out, uh, I found out something very interesting. A genocide is taking place. A genocide is taking place. And I must tell you that I limited myself. I didn't go to uh, uh, what is happening in the second one, and not even to what uh, Mao did in China. I limited myself only to the Muslim and Arab world, only to the Muslim and Arab world, only since the foundation of Israel. Because I wanted to give the real proportions. So, what are the real facts? And I took state by state to see what really happened in the Middle East, in the Arab world, in the Muslim world. And uh, uh, we will do it quickly because we don't have that much time to go to details in any uh, country anyway. Uh, Algeria, independence war, between 400,000 to a million were killed. Uh, later on, the civil war that we all know that uh, uh, broke out in the in the 90s, uh, again between 100, nobody knows the real numbers. I'll tell you, to make this kind of research is very difficult because there are so many publications, so many uh, research institutes, and they give a lot of numbers. That's why I'm giving you the uh, uh, figures that are a kind of academic, a kind of uh, 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 publication which are based on formal and, and uh, research uh, institutions. Indonesia, uh, in some, uh, in the communist uprising, uh, between 400 to 500,000. Uh, again, uh, again, against East Timor, between 100 and 200,000. Yemen, civil war, uh, in the 60s, bef just before the 67 uh, war, between, between 100 to 150,000 people. Uh, again, riots, and I'm not even including what is going last three years, including now. I don't know how many of you know that now, 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 there is a civil war 
in uh, Yemen. Nobody's talking about it, it's not, I mean, probably human life of other people, if they're not Palestinians, was nothing. Nobody's even mentioning them. Nobody's paying attention, but there is a war right now in Yemen. The numbers of the uh, uh, casualties is not included here because it's just impossible to find out the figures. Bangladesh, uh, one of the, the tragedies, the biggest tragedies. Uh, uh, Afghanistan, we know the story a little more, uh, but in the Soviet invasion, uh, we are talking about one million and a half people that were killed. Uh, the civil war, uh, actually mainly in the 90s, one million people. Uh, the American-led invasion, approximately, maybe the numbers uh, uh, are even a little bigger now. Sudan, everybody knows about Darfur, but before Darfur, before Darfur, we are talking about some waves of uh, bigger genocide that took place. Uh, between 55 to 72, uh, the first civil war, half million people, uh, genocide against blacks in the Nuba uh, mountains, almost two million people were killed. The Darfur, of course, is much more known uh, uh, these days. Somalia, actually it's not a, a kind of an endless war, endless war that which is taking place and nobody knows really who is fighting who and why. Uh, almost half million people. Uh, it's updated to something like two years ago because there are not any uh, reliable research about what is going over there. Iraq. Uh, Iraq-Iran war from the uh, Iraqi side anyway, it's approximately half million people. Uh, mass killing of opponents during the Saddam uh, regime uh, 10,000 people a month, in general. We cannot go to details, of course. The endless massacres against the Kurds, between uh, 200,000 and 300,000. Uh, the Shia uprising after the first uh, uh, invasion to Iraq, uh, at least 40,000. Uh, the American-led invasion, you know better than me that uh, the numbers are quite disputed. Nobody really has... Uh, uh, a reliable data about what is going on over there. Lebanon, civil war, uh, 130,000 people. Iran, in the same war that we already mentioned with uh, uh, Iraq, uh, at least 450,000 people, at least. Uh, Chechenia, Chechenia is very interesting because it's quite close to what happened uh, in the occupation, I mean, because it's a superpower against a very small uh, people, minority. And we are talking about two waves. The first one is 50,000, at least. The second one is at least 30,000. Now, before we get to Israel, here is, I'll, I'll do it quickly. Sorry. Okay. Here is actually the, the final uh, uh, table to what happened. Now, look at the numbers. First of all, all together we are talking about something like 12 million people. Only in the Muslim and Arab world, only since the foundation of Israel. Now, what is the, let's call it, contribution of Israel to the... Uh, to this tragedy. Uh, we had many wars, the Independence War, the, the Six Days War, the Yom Kippur War. All the wars together, we are talking about the number of 60,000 people that were killed. It's a tragedy. But nobody, let's not forget it, nobody is criticizing Israel because of the Independence War, or the Yom Kippur War, or the Six Days War. Nobody is telling anything because this is not the issue. The issue is the occupation. The issue is the Palestinians. And we know it. And we, when we are talking about this kind of Israel is committing a genocide, nobody is talking about the independence war. Everybody is talking about the Palestinians. There was a kind of poll in the British University 
asking the scholars and the students how many Palestinians were killed during the, it was three years ago, or four years ago, uh, during the almost 40 years of occupation. And the results were between half million to six million. And here is the real number. It's this number, 7,400, it's including the last Gaza war. So actually, we are not even talking about half percent. The contribution of Israel. Now, to put things in proportion, this is also, I mean, this is the main thing. I mean, if, before we are talking about who is killing who, here is the table. This is a real picture. I mean, this article, when it uh, uh, was published the first time, it, well, it caused quite buzz or debate or. Uh, Nobody argued about the numbers. Some people criticized me because of a lot of other reasons, which is completely legitimate, but nobody argued the numbers. Now, here the numbers are the minimum. I mean, because before I gave you the range of, of evaluations about how many people uh, were killed in each place, in each uh, confrontation. Here, it's only the minimum. Now, 42 years of occupation, we are talking about less than 8,000 people. And I have to say, we all have to be sorry for any human loss. But we cannot ignore the real genocide which is taking place. Now look, in one week, in Alhama, in Syria, in one week, 25,000 people were killed by Hafez al-Assad. In one week. Now, who were they? To those of you who know, who know, they were actually part of the Muslim Brothers. Who are the Muslim Brothers? It's a movement that was founded uh, actually in Egypt. The Hamas, and this is what is important, is part, I mean the first paragraph in the Hamas a convention is saying we are part of the Muslim Brothers. Now, how the Arab world is treating these militants? Here we see. Now, between 10 to 25,000 people, Palestinians of course, PLO people, were killed in one month. According to the Jordanian uh, uh, sources, it's uh, 10,000. According to Palestinian sources, we are talking about 25,000. Now, what happened in the very middle of Europe? One week. I don't know how to say it in English. Srebrenica, how do you say it? Uh, so, eh? Srebrenica. Srebrenica, okay. I'll try to uh, remember it. It's a little difficult for me, I'm sorry. Uh, one week, and it's not funny, 8,000 people under the open eyes of Dutch soldiers. But nobody is talking about these huge massacres. Everybody is talking about the Israeli occupation. Now, this is not the only one story with Israel committing a genocide that actually was never committed. One more uh, uh, issue, which is always raised against Israel, is the ethnic cleansing of Palestinians. In 48, ethnic cleansing, refugees. I mean, today, if you say refugees, you uh, uh, speak mainly about Palestinians. They ask, of course, for the right of return. And there are new historians and a big debate. What really happened in 48? Was it an ethnic cleansing or not? Let me tell you. Generally speaking, I think the new historians are completely right. Not all the Palestinians were forced out. 
but many of them were forced out. It was during a war, it was because they declared an extermination war against Israel. But eventually, yes, the new historians arrived. Many of the Palestinians, majority or not majority, it, it doesn't really matter. Many of the Palestinians were forced out. But here again, what I decided to check is something very simple. What really happened in the world? In that field of ethnic cleansing, of transfers, of population exchange, and I checked it. Because I wanted to, to, to get for myself, for publication, of course, what is the real picture? And here, let's begin again our uh, uh, tour. I'll try not to make it uh, uh, too long. Uh, before that, let me tell you that there are two agencies dealing with refugees. One is the UNHCR, which is dealing with all the refugees in the world. <coughs> the second one is UNRWA, which is specified only for Palestinians. Now, this is the paradox of UNRWA. The goal of the UNHCR is to help people out of the refugee status. UNRWA is the opposite. It helps people to preserve their refugee status. Second one, status of refugee is not given to all offspring in the general organization. But in UNRWA, status of refugees is automatically given to all offspring. In the general uh, agency, refugee status is dependent on economic condition. Not in UNRWA. You can be Bill Gates and still be a refugee. Even the definitions, of course, are not the same. We will skip it because we don't have enough time to go to all the details, but the def definitions are completely different. Now, the outcome is that the general agency helped 50 million people to restart their life again. They are not refugees anymore. UNRWA, the opposite, it began with 650,000 people. Now we are talking about, I, just, I checked again before because the number is changing all the time. It's always uh, 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 growing all the time. I mean, when I began my research, it was less than 4 million. Right now, before I came, sorry, I didn't update it, it's uh, 4.6 million. It's not even uh, this number. So I need a new table only to show how it's going year after year. Now, what really happened in the world? And I'm not talking now about refugees because of uh, internal poor. I'm not talking about IDP, internal displaced people. I'm not talking about this. I'm talking only about transfers. I'm talking only about population exchange. I limited myself. I'm not talking about refugees who are coming now uh, to the United States or to uh, uh, Europe. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking only or mainly about population exchange. Let's see what happened between India and Pakistan. I will not go now to uh, uh, step by step to whatever happened there, but we are talking about in 48, the same year, just like in the in war in Israel. The foundation of two states, 14 million people were forced out, 7 million from each side. In the Balkans, the story is known, it began uh, uh, years ago in actually 1912, uh, 7 million, 7 million people were forced to leave their homelands and to move to another land. Germans, it's a known story, ethnic Germans, after the Second World War, 12 million people were forced out from Central and Eastern Europe to go to Germany. Most of them 
were not at all Nazis. Many of them, yes, but not all of them. Probably not even most of them. But they were forced out. They paid the price. Now, Sudan. I'm talking only about people that were forced out of Sudan, not about uh, IDP, internal uh, displaced people. Three million. Poland, Ukraine, after the uh, uh, Second World War. We are talking about 1.4 million people. Uh, Armenia, Azerbaijan. It's uh, uh, 360,000 Armenians to Armenia, much bigger number of Muslims to Azerbaijan, population exchange, million people we are talking about. Cyprus, uh, 200 uh, Greeks to the south from the Turkish uh, uh, part, 50,000 of Turkish from the Greek side to the Turkish side, quarter of million people. Now, let's go back to the uh, Israeli-Arab conflict and see what happens there. I will not go to all the details. We don't have enough time. But we are talking about 650 Palestinians. They were not even called Palestinians at the time. They were called Arabs. They were forced out to the neighboring country. Okay, let's agree that the new historians uh, uh, are completely right, and they were forced out. But there is one story which is completely forgotten. I have no idea why. A bigger number of Jews were forced out from Arab countries to Israel. It was called in Hebrew Ma'abarot, which means refugee camps. They are not refugees anymore. They were forced out. Their property was confiscated according to laws, special laws. Nobody is talking about them. Like it's not a problem at all. But this is the reality. Everybody is talking about the Nakba. Who doesn't know uh, what is a Nakba? The catastrophe of the Palestinians. And yes, they had a catastrophe. I am not going to deny it. But nobody is talking. Everybody knows about Dir Yassin, the massacre that took place there. And we have to admit, yes. And we have to condemn it, of course. But much bigger massacres took place against Jews in the Arab world. Nobody is talking about the massacre in Yemen. Nobody is talking about the massacre in, in Syria. Nobody is talking about the massacre in Libya. Nobody knows about it. When I began my research, nobody even, I mean, I spoke with people, academics, scholars from Middle uh, East uh, departments. They didn't know. Each one maybe knew about his country of research. But people don't know it. Dir Yassin is, I guess, the most, faithful, faithful, uh, uh, most famous massacre in the world. But, but much bigger massacres, nobody knows about them. Just people don't know. Not about the refugees, the Jewish refugees, not about the Jewish Nakba, which, which was much bigger than the Palestinian Nakba. Yes, there was a Palestinian Nakba. Here is the real proportion now. These numbers are quite wrong because according to new uh, research that I'm uh, working on, we are talking about between 45 million to 50 million people who experienced this kind of <coughs> transferences. But here are the real numbers. Now, the number here of the, the green uh, above, uh, it's about it's the Palestinians now. Well, it's much more even, as I already mentioned. But of course, the number that they began with was 650,000 and 50,000. So 
Who is talking about the other refugees? Who is talking about the other people that were forced out? Nobody is talking about them. Now, I'm against transfer, don't misunderstand me. Completely against it, in all my heart. But we cannot forget one thing. For many years, it was the norm of the international community. Not now, not these days, but mainly in the 40s, when most of the population changed to place, it was the norm. I'll give you one example. Churchill, who said in 44, expulsion uh, is the method which, in so far as we have uh, been able to see, will be the most satisfactory and lasting. There will be no mixture of populations to cause endless trouble. A clean sweep will be made. And as we saw the numbers, actually they did. And they did. In order to create nation states, in order to prevent conflicts, not in order to create conflict. And one uh, more uh, thing uh, to tell you about somebody that maybe is known to many of you. Look what he wrote. In a minute you will know who he is. Ethnically homogeneous states must be created. We should create Bosnia and uh, other uh, states in the Balkans. And we shall, uh, 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 creating homogeneous states would require drawing new borders and transferring populations. Croatians, Muslims, Serbians would have to concede territory and move people. It was written in uh, the New York Times. 93. And now, for some of you, it will be a surprise. Who wrote this article? Here he is. Professor John Mirshanger. To many of you, he, know, he is known mainly as the author of the uh, just uh, one or two years book, uh, uh, The Israeli Lobby and U.S. Foreign Policy. The book that uh, he wrote together with uh, Professor Stefan Plant. He is a big supporter, yet, of transfers. It, it is a surprise, I'll tell you why. Why it's a big surprise. Because uh, to those of you who read, who read his book, they know that he's talking there about the transfer. And he is condemning, of course, the Israeli public opinion, because the Israeli public opinion is supporting transfer against the Palestinians. By the way, it's a lie. The transfer uh, uh, parties in Israel never won something uh, more than uh, very few uh, uh, precepts. But he is lying, okay. But he is the person who is supporting transfers. Double standards. Uh, and again, he repeated it. We will not go to uh, all the details. Now, what is really troubling is the huge gap, the huge gap, actually, between the myths about Israel, the propaganda against Israel, and the real facts on the ground. I'm not against criticism against Israel. As a journalist, I'm uh, uh, still doing it. It's completely legitimate to criticize settlements and, and, and other parts of the Israeli policy. It's not what I'm uh, trying to argue. 
What I'm trying to argue is that there is a very dangerous gap between the image and the reality. I made another kind of research, which I will not go to details now, just to complete this uh, uh, gap, huge gap between uh, myths and facts about the Middle East. I tried to create a kind of index, which I called it contribution to humanity per capita. Uh, uh, scientific publications, agri agriculture, high tech, uh, uh, medicines, uh, water purif purifying. And I found out something. It's not scientific what I'm going to say, but I have to say. Israel is one of the leading countries in the world when we are talking about contribution per, per capita to humanity. So from one hand, I have to be proud as an Israel. But from the other hand, I know what the image. I am a menace to the world. I mean, this gate is just unbelievable. In a way, unexplainable. This huge gate. And I have to say it again. I'm not talking about a legitimate criticism against Israel. I'm not talking about it. I'm talking about a process which is taking place of demonization, of delegitimization, and of dehumanization. This is the, the process that I'm talking about, and I'm trying to show it with only with facts. This huge, huge gap between myths and facts is troubling, is dangerous, because we have been there. We have been there, I'm sorry to say, but we have been there. Let me end with one thing. Is there a connection between anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism? <coughs> anti-Semitism was, the Jews are the menace to the peace of the world. Anti-Zionism is, Israel is the menace to the peace of the world. It's shown, it's proved in statistics, in, opinion, uh, in public opinion polls. Anti-Semitism, one standard for all human beings and another for Jews. Anti-Zionism, one standard for any nation and another for Israel. And the outcome is Jews have no right to exist. And the outcome of anti-Zionism is just the same. Israel has no right to exist. And now really final remark. Churchill said that anti-Semitism is to hate Jews beyond what is needed. Anti-Zionism is to hate Israel much, much, much more than what it deserves. Thank you. A little louder, please. I think the radical 
In my work on Iran and the ideology of uh, radical political Islamicism, I look at how they're using the protocols of the elders of Zion. They're updating it. They're demonizing Israel, and I think this is beginning to have traction. So the, the gap that you point out between the reality of Israel, all the contributions that it's, it does, and, and the social democracy that it is, with the contradictions and problems that it has, uh, the, the issues of conflict, that the gap is so wide. Why do you think that it's having traction in Europe? And is it anti-Semitism? We're the only research center in North America dealing with anti-Semitism. There's gender studies programs, there's studies on race and ethnicity. There's really nothing in the contemporary context of anti-Semitism. Do you think the West has to unpack its old ancient anti-Semitism? It's not looking reflectively at it. Why do you think there's such a gap among intelligent, well-educated people in the West? It's, a, it's quite an important uh, uh, question that uh, uh, I think we need uh, uh, a new lecture just to begin to answer. Because it's really, uh, I, of course, when I'm working on that uh, issue of uh, comparing between uh, myths and facts, of course, uh, I'm always dealing with the question. I mean, it's, it's in my mind all the time. Why? Why? Why is it? Um, I can tell you one thing. It will be short, because otherwise it will take some hours. It's many. Uh, there is not one reason. There is not one reason. Some of them, some of them are really anti-Semites. Some, but not all of them. Not all of them. I cannot blame all of them in anti-Semitism. It's a trend. It's a fashion. It's part of this kind of post-colonial uh, uh, studies that put all the blame on the West, and now Israel is representing the, the colonialist occupier West. Many reasons. Among the, the ordinary people, they are just under the influence of, of something else. Uh, there is a new kind of moral in this world. The moral of uh, cameras per capita, or cameras per uh, uh, square kilometer. Middle East is at uh, the Middle East and many the Palestinian, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict is attracting so many journalists. So actually nobody is looking, just as I said, at the conflict, not in Yemen, not in Somalia, nobody is going there. By the way, told me a, a friend of mine, a foreign journalist, he told me, look, if I was based in Yemen, it could be quite a terrible life. But fortunately, I'm based in Tel Aviv. And you know what? At the morning, I'm like if, well, it was in the Intifada, not now, now the, I mean, I was like in the very middle of the battlefield at the evening in the best restaurant in the world. So I was lucky. I, had, I enjoyed both, uh, uh, you know, this prestige of, of uh, a battlefield uh, journalist from one hand and the wonderful, like, there is not one reason. There is not one reason. There are so many reasons. But we have to fight it. I'm against, uh, I mean, giving up. I don't want to give up. I want to fight only with one weapon that I have. Facts. Facts. So, because many of the people who are voting in the polls and, and, and against Israel, they are not anti-Semites. They are not. They are just brainwashed with cameras that all the time focus on Israel. And yes, there are things that I'm not proud of as in Israel. Don't misunderstand me. It's not that I'm, uh, I can justify everything which is taking place in the uh, territories. Not at all. It's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that if we are talking about because in the last Gaza war, everybody was criticizing Israel because of proportions. Uh, and you know what? It's uh, other articles that I wrote. Okay, I compared how many civilians are killed by NATO in Afghanistan. Much more than people in Gaza. Now, they are uh, what? Protecting Europe from what? From the Taliban? And we are, as Israelis, are not allowed to protect ourselves from this uh, Hamas? How come? I mean, I'm sorry, they are lunatic, not me, those who criticize Israel. 
I mean, because we should put the real proportions. Yes, you're criticizing uh, Israel with proportions, so let's put the proportion on the table. The real proportion of what you are doing now. You, Europe. I mean, how can anybody dare to say, yes, I want to boycott Israel because of what happened in Gaza? Why don't you boycott uh, uh, Britain and other uh, 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 NATO uh, uh, states? I mean, how dare they? You know why? They are allowing themselves this kind of, of hypocrisy and double standard. Because cameras per square kilometer is the highest in Israel. So uh, again, uh, thank you for your talk. Uh, I have uh, two quick questions. One of them goes to your uh, sources. Uh, I mean, you show a number, and this is the power of your uh, talk here, uh, which is very, very different from other uh, talks that we did here, here quite plenty. You bring facts and you bring numbers, and that's very important to know what are your sources. This is one thing. Second thing, I want, to, uh, I want you to um, uh, say something about the double standard that is in your profession, actually among, uh, among your uh, colleagues in the Israeli journalism. Uh, I don't know when you last time uh, you know, took Haaretz, but Haaretz, uh, you know, there are some writers, not only in Haaretz, that are being used by many people who are, uh, you know, after Israel, Israel to uh, criticize Israel and to use it as a, as a source. So, uh, you know, maybe before we go after <laughs> double standards internationally, about the deal this year. Okay, first of all, sources. Uh, I'll tell you it's not a secret. Uh, I'm planning to write a book about the title will be probably uh, The Industry of Lies, which will include, of course, many of the numbers that I just presented and, and many other chapters that I couldn't even uh, speak about today. Wall, for example, the defense wall, or the, I mean, a kind of a comparative study, how many states are now. Uh, what I did is a journalistic work. As a reason, I mean, but I upgraded myself, uh, not to be only a journalist, but to make a research. Um, as we all know, I mean, in, when you publish an article in a newspaper, you don't put all the footnotes. I want to do it. I want to present all the sources. As I said, nobody argued my, uh, uh, my uh, data. Nobody argued. Because everyone in his field knows that I'm completely right. Nobody just combined it. It's not, I did not, uh, by the way, uh, reveal any uh, secret. I just, what I did is to put things in proportion. It's not a secret. I mean, everybody could do it, but everybody is lazy. It's not so easy to do this work. Don't misunderstand me. It's not uh, that it took me two days. It took weeks uh, to, work, to work on each chapter. But uh, I'm planning to publish a book with uh, academic standards, with all of the footnotes of all the... Right now, I have... Uh, so much written only about uh, the sources, which was, of course, uh, never published. Uh, uh, one more question, uh, a very important one about the double standard. Israel uh, uh, is part of the world, and Haaretz, and even the, I can tell you as an editor, I'm publishing, I am, as an editor, publishing articles that are arguing the opposite views to my views about the conflict. So, I mean, this is part of democracy. What I can do as an editor is to publish the real facts on the ground. But I cannot tell Haaretz what to publish and not to publish. And yes, they are part. Uh, Israel is uh, one of the sources. Israel is one of the sources of the industry of lies. No doubt about it. Now, I don't know, sometimes I'm, I'm in, in a very complicated situation. Should I be proud? for the very strange Israeli democracy, which allows everything to be published, from one hand, or should I be very sad, because Israel is the source of self-demonization many times. And I, I, I'm, in a way, uh, schizophrenic, how do you say it uh, in English? In a way, I have this kind of uh, schizophrenia. I'm suffering out of it, uh, uh, because of, yes, I know. And I'm part of the game, as an editor.
Sorry, there is no way that I will pronounce it in the right way, so excuse me. Uh, first of all, you are completely right. I'm, uh, whatever I said now was not in favor of any kind of genocide. And of course, I'm, uh, as, as I'm a lawyer myself, by the way, uh, and of course, that uh, if somebody committed uh, a crime against humanity, he should be tried. No doubt about it. But the real comparison, if you are talking about comparison with the Balkans uh, 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 story, is a comparison between Israel and NATO when Israel uh, uh, shelled, uh, shelled uh, uh, Gaza and NATO shelled uh, 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 Belgrad. And you know the numbers? Because I can give you the numbers. Okay, so the numbers are that, that more than 1,000 people were killed, more than half of them were civilians. And yes, of course, they published, well, we are sorry, it was a mistake, we were sure that uh, 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 soldiers are hiding uh, in the bridge, in the bus, in the hospital. This is a real comparison, if you want to compare. Not with Srebrenica, because Israel never, never committed such a... Uh, and intentionally uh, 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 killing of Palestinians. Yes, innocent people were killed. I'm not saying that innocent people uh, were not killed. And my argument is not, is not that you are wrong, it's that Srebrenica is not yes. forgotten, that Srebrenica is a big issue. So okay. So it's, okay. it's uh, not... Now, no, no, uh, you have one, one more thing about, uh, he's a friend of mine, his name is Shlomo Zand. Yes. And uh, I'll tell you, uh, well, it's not a secret, of course, not in Israel. Uh, his book is an outcome of a debate between me and him. It's an outcome because, uh, first of all, it was a kind of an article that I published, and he answered me, and then it continued, unfortunately, this series of, of uh, uh, articles. It was published only in Hebrew, but uh, uh, he answered me, I answered him, etc., etc. And then eventually, he, of course, ignored all my arguments, against what he said, and published this book. He published it in Aix-en-Provence, in France, by the way, because I met him even there. So, uh, sorry, it's a, a, a collection of, of unbased cliches. Uh, I just have to promise you one thing, when I will publish my book, it will be much more serious. Then his book, he's a friend of mine, but sorry to say, it's a shame to Academy. Yes, I, I would like to uh, uh, have your comment on the following. The historically divinization of the Jews has been a fact. And perhaps, not perhaps, but it has been transferred to the fact that Israel is a Jewish state. And therefore, Israel is being demonized. Now, irrationality has always been a part of the world you and I live in. And to be honest with you, 
facts may mean absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing to people who already are committed to the demonization of Israel. Okay, I have just one remark. I think uh, uh, I have to repeat myself a little in, in, uh, uh, if I want to comment uh, on what you said, because I think some of them, some of the leaders of, of this uh, uh, demonization of Israel, some of them are really anti-Semites. Let's not forget one thing. Some of them are Jews. But it's very interesting. I'll tell you why it's very interesting. Because actually, anti-Zionism became the politically correct anti-Semitism. They have a way to be anti-Semites and yet be enlightened and Jews, unfortunately. So they found a way to join the party. And they are doing it with a lot of enthusiasm, unfortunately. Yes, I know it. But, but, and it's more important, I don't want to give up on many other people, on many other people who are not anti-Semites. And they are free enough and open-minded enough to listen to the facts. Yes, not all of them. Facts will not change anything, not to my friend Shlomo Zand and not to many others. I know it. Don't confuse me with facts. We, I know it already. I know them. But many other people, we don't have to give up. We don't have to give up. We have to present the real facts on the ground. And you know what? It will work. I do believe that with facts, with real facts, with the truth, we can really work it out.